Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Decibel Geek Podcast. She likes the dark. With Aaron Camaro and Chris Sinzak. On her milk white neck. The devil's mark. Now it's all hollow The moon is full. And welcome to the Decibel Geek Podcast, the most terrifying podcast on the internet. I am your ghoulish host, Aaron Camaro, joined by the terrifying Chris Sinzak. You've been talking to my wife? (laughs) She told me everything. So now I understand why there's like the lights are out, there's candles, and there's like a Ouija board in front of us. I got the goat outside. Oh, okay. I am thirsty. All right. Okay. This is going to be a true Halloween party. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween to you, too. One of my favorite holidays of the whole year. All Hallows' Eve, the... uh was a pagan holiday. Now we just uh, parade our kids around in costumes and eat candy. And now I kind of think Halloween's almost dying out because, I mean, here we ain't got no trick-or-treaters or nothing. No, just beer. And rock and roll. Yeah, that so works for me. That's all we need. This is going to be our Halloween trick-or-treat celebration here today. Is this our See what I did there. It's amazing. We're going to be talking about one of the most scary, terrifying, frightening bands of all time, Typo Negative. Yes, with a special guest host. Yes, we're going to have a lot of fun here today. we got Andy Connors with us. Andy was a huge help to us at the Rockin' Pod Expo, and today he's back, and we're going to be talking all about the terrifying treats that are typo negative. It's going to be awesome. But before we get to all that, we got to bob for some apples. That's right. we got to get us some. Hey, there's one. It's a star. There's another. Oh, man, there's five of them in here. This is an iTunes Apple Podcast review. 
And it comes to us from, uh, let's see, Wilcox, 2112, from right here in the USA. It goes a little something like this. I've been a fan of this podcast almost from day one. I was already a fan when they interviewed Eddie Trunk. These guys really know their stuff. And even though their KISS fandom makes me roll my eyes on occasion. Me too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> I love their chemistry. After the years of quality of their show has only improved. I do take some points off for a couple of things. Uh-oh. A, minus one half star for Aaron saying Duff McKagan could outplay John Deacon. Sorry, but no. <laughs> I don't remember saying that. <laughs> I agree with him. But man. I'll take your word. Uh, B, minus one star for making a scum of the earth guy a geek of the week. Michael DeBar was a geek of the week? Oh, no. No. No, Gigi Allen. He's talking about somebody else. I think. Oh, okay. After all that, I will give them one star back for having the courage to make an episode about worst Kiss songs. Courage? This one I enjoyed a lot. All this comes up to four and a half stars, but I'll give them the whole five. Thank you. I know they'll make up for it in the future. Rock on, Chris and Aaron. Thank you so much. That's a great review. I, I like that. that. Well thought out. Yeah, good constructive criticism there. It's going to make me got to go back to figure out where the hell I said that. Because <laughs> <laughs> honestly, after all these years and all these episodes, uh, like some stuff like that, it just slips past me, I guess. You're allowed an opinion, even if it's wrong. Okay, thank you. All right. All right, so check this out. We also got a Facebook recommendation. comes to us from uh, Peter Sassir. goes a little something like this. Simply the benchmark, Nuff said. One of the reasons why Vin and I started the I Love It Loudcast. It's a great show. Yeah, these guys inspired us to follow our passion to the next level and start our own podcast. If you want to know how it's done, start your listening right here at Decibel Geek Podcast. That's really That's cool. awesome. Thanks, Pete. Man, yeah, that's yeah. cool. And we met Peter at the expo, and, and he couldn't have been nicer. And I love the show they've done. They, they did a great interview with John Karabi that uh, almost rivals ours. Right on. Notice that's I said good. almost. <laughs> no, I Love It Loudcast is a great new show, and uh, I'm I'm happy they're part of our uh, of our clique now. They're one of right our on. no, they're the next bastard children in line. I guess Why, we just keep spitting them out, don't we? I know we screw a lot, don't we? <laughs> Always procreating. That's us, the yes. Decibel Geek Podcast. It's a good thing. Now we got a bunch of people that really loved last week's episode, yes, and that's something that we always love to do around here because, like we always say, we love to celebrate the legends. But with us, it's all about the future of rock and roll too. And man, last week we turned a lot of people on to a lot of new bands. Yes, we did, and I got to say, uh, a lot of love for the Watchers pick that you had, yeah. and uh, and I've been listening to them a lot since then. And uh, as you correctly stated on Facebook today, that comes from Decibel Geek VIP from on Patreon, Kevin Williams. That's right. And that was a great suggestion on his part shoot yeah because he turned me onto it and then i was able to go ahead on the show and turn a whole bunch of people onto it and i love it mm-hmm. you know and i i respect kevin williams opinion because anytime he's told me to check something out it's always badass so yep. when he suggested that i was like man i gotta at least listen to it and i listened to the one song and then the next song and the next song yep. like i said i listened to the whole album and it's like this whole thing is killer now everybody's a bunch of watchers fans Right. That's the beauty of this podcast. And as I mentioned, he's a Patreon VIP. And, and let me make an announcement now. Oh, yeah. Torpedo dudes. Torpedo dudes. We, <laughs> we have always wanted to kind of do our own KISS podcast, and we decided to do it with a little bit of a twist. So if you're a Patreon VIP, $3 donation and up, you will be able to listen to Torpedo Dudes, our own KISS <laughs> podcast. 
which that's a working title. Believe it sounds me. silly when you're saying um, it now, but it seemed cool. If you suggest something we like better, then we might go with it. Um, but, but for now, it's torpedo for now it's dudes. Torpedo dudes. Because when we first got together and talked about doing this podcast, you yeah. know, and Chris explained to me what a podcast was. It's like we're both huge Kiss fans. Should we do a Kiss podcast? And mm-hmm. Chris was like, "Hold on, there's already a million of those. There is." You know, and now there's two million. So, so this is our special version of a, of a Kiss show, and we're going to do it regularly. You know, the end of the road tour is kicking off, yeah. and there's a lot of stuff going on in the Kiss world, and people that used to be in Kiss, and we'll we'll have a brutally honest take on all of it. So, right? Yeah. So, you so know, join. We, we don't have to worry about hurting nobody's feelings because nope. it's, not, it's not an actual out there podcast. Nope. It's just exclusive for the VIP, so we can let her rip. Yeah. So because uh, we are. VIP. The Torpedo Dudes. Yeah, for now. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so our other favorite people, the Geeks of the Week, these are people that shared on Facebook, retweeted on Twitter. Last week's Fresh Blood episode, thank you all so much for doing that. Geeks of the Week this week are Greg McGlone, James McElhenney, Greg Troyan, Joe Royland, Sit and Spin with Joe, Schizo in Crisis shared it, Simon Cat, Joe Lascon, The Bakery Podcast, Aaron Baker, Steve Wright from Potter Than Hell, Scott Smith, David Glenn, Bill Elam, David Cathy, Greg York, Brent Tibbetts, Mikhail Burrell, Otto Erlen Gregerson, Shane Abair, Sean Cullen, Kevin Williams, Rodney Dixon, Jeff Mendenhall, Adam Cox, and of course, the, the Mooger Fooger. That's right. All our friends last week sharing that, and all the bands that we played last week, they shared the heck out of it too. Mm-hmm. So it was a pretty popular podcast as far as like we look at our numbers sometimes. Yeah. And this one it did well. jumped really up there, you know, and that's that makes me feel good because that means rock and roll is alive and well. It you is. Know? And you might have heard a name in there, Greg Troyan. We're going to be making an appearance yeah. on his show the real Lipstick soon. The panel. Check We're that gonna, one out. We're going to be talking about animal eyes. We are. That's going to be a a confrontational episode. (laughs) You and your murder in high heels love. It's going to be awesome. Oh, man. Controversy. It's going to be great. All right. It's controversy with a K, of course. Of course. All right. So let's get to the real meat and potatoes of this episode. Andy Connors, uh, first, as I've told you before, thank you so much for all your help with the Rock and Pod Expo. You are the... Man with the plan as far as sound goes, and you yeah. uh, were a lifesaver through that whole process. And you picked Typo and Negative to do for this episode, so thank you for being a part of this. Well, thanks for having me. And uh, I was listening to the episode that Aaron did uh, on his own where it was all covers, and he took uh, you know, my VIP suggestion of a, of a cover, and it was Typo and Negative, and he, I think he played Cinnamon Girl. And I was, I'm going to admit I was out kayaking. I was on a lake all by myself. And it's like, you know, that'd make, a, that'd make a hell of an episode on its own. I don't know if your numbers are going to drop, but it would only make <laughs> sense that you would have it for Halloween because this is a band whose whole image was spooky Halloween shit, right? Right. Yes. I was so attracted to this band when it first came out. Like I said at the opening of the show, Halloween's always been one of my favorite holidays. So what's not to love about a band like Typo Negative? Yeah, I mean, every everything they did sort of had to do with Halloween. And even if they weren't real active, um, they would always do something around Halloween. They'd put out the records around then if they could. So it only made sense. And if you're looking to scare the neighbors, play some of these 12-minute-long songs and that'll them <laughs> off. That's very cool. And, I, yeah, I like that we're focusing on this band. I'm sure a lot of their fans are going to check this out, and it'll be interesting. And I'm more of a novice when it comes to typo negative. I know Aaron's a bigger fan than me, so – but I think with the research you've done for this, you're going to educate a lot of people on this band. Well, I'm happy to I'm happy to provide. And uh, yeah, you know, I, I've never heard a typo negative podcast. I've never heard anybody with an interview. Um, you know, some of the guys are are doing other musical endeavors, and right. across the across the podcasts that are in your sphere and the stuff that I listen to, I've never heard any 
funny talk about them. I would love to get a surviving member of Typo Negative on the show to do an albums unleashed on Bloody Kisses or one of those other awesome albums because they came out with a bunch of them before their demise. They sure did, and you know that uh, Kenny and Johnny are in a band called Silver Tomb now. Um, I've only listened to it really briefly. The rest of the band is, it's kind of like if Agnostic Front, which turned me off right away, if Agnostic Front <laughs> and Typo Negative got together, it's uh, it's called Silver Tomb, but another off, sh- mm. and i got to figure those guys are uh, probably looking uh, to promote that, that record. Um, but the other band for fans, <laughs> for people that are going to fast forward uh, through the rest of this episode, the other band to check out is Seventh Void, which was Johnny and Kenny, it's Kenny singing, and I love his voice, and he gets to sing on typo negative stuff yeah, here and there. that's right. Um, you know, he sings songs like Frozen, and some of the backup vocals are him. Um, but they did a record with Vinnie Paul producing on Big Vin Records uh, six or eight years ago. Um, Seventh Void, it's really worth checking out, especially if you're into Black Sabbath. They do away with the heavy keyboards, and they just get out there and rip, and then it's Kenny's screaming vocals. That's cool. I'll check that out. Well, let's just uh, start at the beginning. Go ahead, and uh, class is in session, and we're ready. I'll talk about the history of the band real quick. Um, you know, I, I wanted to say probably the first time that they came across my sphere was when they probably when they were on Beavis and Butthead. Mm. Um, they had a two minute segment where they watched the uh, I think it was the Black Number One video, and uh, you know, of course, Beavis and Butthead made fun of it, but <laughs> they also kind of liked it. Maybe they were sort of scared of it, and. I immediately uh, got a hold of it then. I was working in retail while I was doing sound gigs at the time. Uh, it's went a little bit, a couple years before, or maybe a year and a half before I went to work for the big guitar company. So I actually borrowed the original release of um, of their of their big album, Bloody Kisses, from a friend, and then I went out and bought the Digipack. Um, but the band, uh, you know, it, the band really is Peter Steele. This is Peter Steele is typo negative. Without him, there's no band. He wrote every song, had everything to do with this band. And he was born in 62 and uh, went to high school in Brooklyn. And there was a, another another kid that they liked some of the same music. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure they were listening to Rush and Iron Maiden and stuff like that. And they got together in a metal band called it Fallout. So that was the mid through the, or the early through the mid 80s. Um, and then, you know, what kind of took the next step into typo negativism was in the late 80s when Peter was in a... a started a hardcore band called carnivore yeah. and it's it's not super accessible if you're not into hardcore it, you'll turn you off but you hear some of that type of negative stuff um it's i don't know to me it sounds like man of war and typo negative ditch the keyboards hmm. um but they got signed to roadrunner and it was very much a part-time deal with a rotating cast of other players a trio so it'd always be another guitar player and another drummer uh, when Pete sang and, and played bass like he was uh, known to. And Carnivore sort of ran its course, you know, probably because they didn't want to tour, didn't want to work real hard. Uh, you know, Peter was working for the Parks Department. Uh, you, you hear him talk about it in interviews back in the day, and, and uh, even some of the songs, you kind of hear, like, you know, you hear him talk about how he's the green man, and what does that mean? Well, he's the guy wearing a green uniform, uh, <laughs> throwing out trash in Brooklyn Parks. But he uh, he rejoined forces with Josh Silver right around 80, 89, 90. And uh, they got a drummer named Sal Abruscato and um, then guitar player Kenny Hickey. And they started this band called Typo Negative. And Peter already had a deal in place with Roadrunner, and they took the band to Roadrunner. Um, mm-hmm. So about 1990, that group of guys uh, signed up with Roadrunner. And... Um, 
the story goes that when they signed the contract, that Peter mixed in his blood and his semen into the ink of the, of the contract. Wow. And, uh, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. And I, I am not afraid to doubt it. Because there is a picture on the web, um, you know, Peter's got that, that O-negative tattoo on his shoulder, and you see him cutting a square around it with a razor blade, and the story goes that that's the, that's the blood he used to, to sign the, the contract. Wow. Uh, but that record came out in June, <laughs> Holy and, shit. and it was uh, in June of 91, and it was, it was really heavy yeah. uh, and, and doomy. If I had to describe it as anything, I'd say that it's doomy, and it's got keyboards, the songs are what the band is going to be known for as they go on uh, forward. It's a bunch of funny, tongue-in-cheek stuff that's all self-deprecating and mixes in, um, you know, mixes in some, uh, uh, you know, some some imagery, some uh, occultish imagery right, and stuff. For sure. Most mostly, it's just funny, but it is sort of like uh, you know, this is where Peter's pain began. And uh, that one's slow, deep, and hard. Um, you guys seen the cover of that one, haven't you? Oh yeah. You never All seen right. it? Never seen it. No. <laughs> uh, I don't know so, if I want to see it. <laughs> yeah. So slow, deep, and hard. Uh, the cover is real close up. It's grainy and green of male female penetration. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Okay. And if you didn't you... know what it was by looking at it, you wouldn't know what it was. Uh. Yeah. It would. It, well, I, I've never seen it from that angle. Um, but it would. It would take a little while to figure out what that is. Yeah. Uh, so they, you know, they put out that record. Of course, with a title like that and no radio play, you can imagine how it charted. <laughs> the answer is non-existent. Right. You mean they weren't playing this alongside Rock Set or uh, Ace of Bass <laughs> or anything like that? Uh, no, you didn't hear that in '91. In '91, I was, uh, uh, you know, I was a year. I was in Miami. I was a year from moving away from there, and I was, I was doing sound gigs. You know, working doing production managing for bands and stuff, and the band never crossed my radar screen. Right, I suppose <laughs> it's like, hey, that that was uh, Ace Bass with She's Got the Look, and up next we got Typo Negative with I Know You're Fucking Someone Else. Is that really yeah. a song title? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Ain't no thing, I don't know what you're doing, you stupid twat. Let's go. 
And the song was called Unsuccessfully Coping with the Natural Beauty of Infidelity. Or, I Know You're Fucking Someone Else. It is obviously an angry song. Oh, about so good. <laughs> catching a woman cheating. You know, the song's like eight and a half minutes long. Right. And the part that I pick, Lay, is only a few minutes. It's the meat, no pun intended. It's the meat of the song. <laughs> and Here's the meat it, from Slow, Deep, and Hard. <laughs> yes, here's the meat, and uh, it's it's really a lot of profane accusations, but it's got this Brooklyn attitude, and uh, the band is supporting their boy. When, when people hear the call and answer chorus, uh, they're going to understand what that means, and that Brooklyn thing, you know, whenever I'd see a movie or, or read a book or whatever, when somebody was trying to uh, use a Brooklyn accent, they would always use whore. Yeah. You know, ah, that woman, she's a whore. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I freaking love that song, man. Yeah, that's a good one. And one of the things I really loved about that song is uh, this sort of, uh, um, this tone Peter has when he demands the guitar solo out of Kenny. Yeah. I don't think I don't think the solo is going to make it to the clip because the clip's only a few minutes long. But he just he just it's like he you can just picture him looking over at Kenny and demanding that he start playing a guitar solo. And that guy didn't get a lot of solos. He got a lot of atmospheric stuff right. and a lot of stuff with sustain and feedback. And here he gets sort of a ripping guitar solo. So anyway, Kenny. <laughs> so but yeah, that was uh, that was ninety one, and the band hit the road a little bit. You know, I'm sure Peter was taking time off from emptying garbage cans in the parks in ninety. 90- <laughs> In 92, they kind of pulled their first fast one on their audience, and it was an album called The Origin of the Feces. Yep. Another great way to turn off your audience. Very romantic. And, and the thing is, it's worth listening to, um, because there's a, there's a few songs from uh, from the first album, from Slow, Deep, and Hard, that are re-recorded more or less with the band just ripping through it. And then there's a bunch of dubbed-in audience sounds, and there's right. classic stuff like, you know, the fans chanting at the band that they suck, which, you know, we're, we're going to tell them they suck. Just like KMFDM, the audience is going to tell them they suck or they're not going to play their encore. <laughs> um, so, so you get you get uh, Origin of the Feces, which in a way I hate it because it's they, they sort of put one over on us and it's kind of a throwaway album. Um, the artwork on this one, uh, Aaron, Chris, have you guys seen the artwork on this one? I'm so, right here. I'm looking at here, your description. I don't know if I want to look at it. I'm reading Andy's <laughs> description of what it's going to be. So it's Peter bent over with his uh, uh, with his ass in the camera, and he's spreading it apart. Wow! See, that's not the one I got. The one I got is the one with the <laughs> skeletons dancing on the front of it. I like yours better. <laughs> yeah, the the re release. I don't need uh, to see that, the original. Well, yeah, the the re release of that one was uh, the 15th century dance of uh, dance of death painting, recolored in in green, and that's that's right. a good one as well. Uh, you know, of course, this one didn't chart. And the you don't prefer the anus didn't. cover? <laughs> yeah, right. I don't have to yeah. see it, and I know I don't prefer it. Yeah, the asshole cover. Well, you know, I can I'm guessing you, that's uh, another one that would probably take you a minute looking at it to really figure out what it is. Yeah, if it wasn't for the fact that you see his fingers. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> so it's. Uh, I can tell you Pete didn't have any hemorrhoids in 1990. Oh, good <laughs> lord. And so can all the typo negative fans. And now the show has hit a new low. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the, uh, the song is, and there's a great version of, uh, of Unsuccessfully Coping on that one, but the song that I picked from this one is uh, is their cover of Hey Joe, yeah. which Hey Joe is, a, is a, you know kind of a mythical song. Jimi Hendrix brought it to fame, and there's been over the years, you know, it's from the 60s, but there's been a lot of uh, controversy about who actually wrote it, where did it come from, who owns the copyright. 
Um, well, these guys redid it, except uh, instead of shooting your woman down, he shot down his his whore. <laughs> whore. I love it. Whore. And it's it's Kenny saying, hey, Peter, I, I heard you shot your whore down. And he did. <laughs> was 92 and that was hey joe i love that version of that song just them putting their own twist on it the way they did that's it's fucking awesome yeah it's a good one and amazing they didn't release that as a single so it really broke open big for the band in 93 mm. peter started the year you know according to his biography written by jeff uh, jeff wagner he started his, the year by getting his his teeth capped with those fangs yeah which he went on to tell people he was born with. But uh, they released this album in August, Bloody Kisses, and uh, it, to my, to my ears, it's progressive. It's, yeah. it, the songs, the songs uh, have time changes. Um, they start and stop. They get complicated. You know, there's no, you know, it's not dream theater, 
but it uh, it gets progressive and the songs get long. To me, when people say King's X, my favorite band is progressive, it's like, okay, it's in the same way that that's progressive. Right, uh, yeah. <laughs> the cover of this one, I, look, I had it on a t-shirt. You guys maybe own the cover. Mm-hmm. So the cover is a photographer, the guy that took the picture for the album, a guy named John Wadsworth. He got his wife and their friend uh, to to make out for the camera, which is awesome. Who doesn't like that? Um, the record company didn't like it, so they it, wanted more just, Peter Steele with his ass cheek spread. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, get this: they wanted something uh, less provocative okay. than a lesbian kiss. <laughs> did Peter say? Did you see our last album cover? We've really right, toned it down. Yeah. You should have seen what they wanted to do. Yeah, exactly. Very spinal tap. <laughs> yes. Uh, so instead it's the girls hugging, um, but the, it got re-released with the girls kissing and I had it on a shirt and it's on a ton of promo material. Yeah. Yeah. The album charted, it went to number 166 and thanks to, uh, videos on the air, hmm. thanks to Beavis and Butthead, um, it went gold and then a few years down the road it went platinum. So yeah. these guys actually did have a platinum record in, uh, you know, with an album that was released in 1993. <clears throat> One of the things that, that happened after the album came out is um, Sal Abruscato, the drummer, was fed up because this band was not hitting the road. They were doing, you know, they were playing part time. They were uh, just doing the least amount of touring you can get away with. And it was all because Peter was still working at the at the parks department, uh, emptying garbage cans and doing what he had to do. He must have been um, making pretty good money, though. You can. This city. is probably all the guy wanted out of his life. Andy, you know, it, uh, yeah. Are you a Seinfeld fan? Of course, yeah. So I'm wondering if Peter Steele worked with Jeffrey, Jerry Seinfeld's cousin, for the Parks Department. Ooh, that one's deep. Oh That's yeah, deep Seinfeld. they work together. Yeah. totally. <laughs> I wonder if Uncle Leo crossed paths with Peter Steele. <laughs> See, because I picture like if Peter entered the realm of of uh, Seinfeld, the dude probably never left Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, maybe went maybe you went to CBGB or something, but I can't imagine in that world he would have he would have been Brooklyn, you know, born and died. This guy, yeah. yeah. And, and I'll 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 chime in with my my limited fandom of of typo negative and and really exposure to typo negative was yeah. I saw them on Beavis and Butthead when Black Number One was on there, yeah. and I was in a band at the time. We were, I guess, for all intents and purposes, a wannabe grunge band. And we covered Black Number One because it's incredibly easy to play, and it also would go over really well at parties. Girls in particular love oh, yeah. that song. So um, Peter still got me late a couple of times thanks to that one song. Nice. Well, yeah. you know, I don't want Michelle to hear about it, but were they goth girls? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, but what I got to know about your band is did you figure out the tuning, or did you guys play it in standard tuning? Standard tuning. Yeah, yeah cause it, it doesn't get that sound till you tune down the C. Yeah, it never yeah. quite sounded right, but it was enough. It was passable enough to where people knew what it was. But I mean, it was it was a big song on the radio, even here right. in Nashville. It yeah. got played on the radio a lot, and uh, but it's easy to play, and it, but it's a fun one. It, go, it went over well at parties, and people always loved it. So it was it was fine, and we had a singer that could do the the baritone vocal. So, right. So it worked out well. Obviously, he looked nothing like Peter Steele, but he could do the vocal. Well, I was just thinking most bands would have tuned down so that their singer can, you know, well, hey, let's look at Kiss. Kiss sounds like typo negative now, don't they? <laughs> they kind of do. <laughs> Nowadays? Oh, yeah, yeah they're, tuned, they're tuned down. So I, look, I don't want to cause any trouble between you guys, yeah. but uh, Kiss <laughs> tunes down into the basement now. Well, and uh, I'm thinking the band you were in, if you kept it in standard tuning, you could sing it. I Well, yeah. Well, I can't sing anything. But, yeah, I get you. 
well, it, so the the sound of the band, right? People have a hard time. I know a guy that would love to be able to play those songs on guitar, but he doesn't tune down that low. Mm-hmm. And when you listen to it, it's hard. To, it's often hard to tell what's bass and what's guitar because the bass is oftentimes playing chords. And yeah, right. Peter, yeah. Peter Steele, six. The guy was six foot eight. Mm-hmm. The bass looked like he was holding a banjo. The guy was so huge. <laughs> That's true. Yep. But um, he always had so, kind of that lemmy quality to it where, you know, you got the really good guitar player, but the bass player is what's really driving mm-hmm. the band yeah. and the songs. Totally. And if you got close to his gear, you saw that it was a bunch of rack guitar stuff and it was a guitar um amp and it was, you know, it was distorted guitar ripping out of a half stack cabinet. But they, you know, that that was uh, unique to them. But I could see why you'd want to play that song. That song was huge. The video was all over MTV. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, you know, you know who missed out on the video and the fame was their drummer, Sal Abruscato. Uh, he this, wound up going to Life of Agony, didn't he? Yeah, the guy fronts Life of Agony, a band oh. that I'm, I just barely know of. The other thing that went out the window with Sal was live drums on all the albums, and you you hear it. Uh, they they programmed drums uh, from then on out on every album, which was probably. You know, it was probably Josh who co-produced all the albums with Peter. It was probably those two guys holed up in a studio, and it was easier to sequence stuff and to program it. But So they get Johnny Kelly, a guy who kind of comes from the um, John Bonham's school of drumming, and uh, he gets the tattoo, plays the gig, and all the while Peter's still working at the at the parks department. Wow, that's wild. It, but uh, you know things things broke open for the band in uh, in '94 when they were touring behind Bloody Kisses, but uh, you know and I'll I'll go into that real quick. Just I think you get an idea why why Pete decided to to rev up the band and hit the road. Um, but Bloody Kisses, uh, to, for me the big one on that one was Christian Woman. You know Black Number One broke them open. Christian Woman was another single from that album, and to me this sums up what the band was all about. It's an eight and a half minute song. And it's got this huge, huge sonic landscape. There's something for everybody in there. Yeah. Uh, the time changes. There's orchestration. There's a lot of stuff. And the meaning of that song, it is probably about a Catholic girl who's feeling guilty, either about masturbating or having sex. And there's three sections. You're not going to be able to play all that. You're going to play <laughs> the meat of the song. Um, but she's got some Catholic guilt. She probably wants to have sex with Jesus Christ. And at the very end... Uh, Peter comes in and sings a couple of minutes that just goes like this. Jesus Christ looks like me. And it's a perfect way to wind down that song. But yeah, my pick was Christian Woman. Across upon her bedroom wall From grace she will fall An image burning in her mind And be Oh, man. 
so good. Man, I love that stuff so much. This was about the time that I discovered Typo Negative 2 was when Bloody Kisses came out. And what Typo Negative did for me was that I had always equated heavy with fast. Mm -hmm. You know, I always thought heavy. Who's the heaviest band? Slayer. You know, Megadeth, Metallica, Anthrax, those are the heaviest bands, and they're fast, you know? And then Typo Negative comes around, and it's like, wow, this band's super heavy, but they're not fast. Sounds like funeral dirge music. But it's so intricate Mm -hmm. that, in a way, it is fast, but it's just in an underlying kind of way. It's not like the noodling or the shredding guitar solos and stuff like that, but it's got, like you said, like the dirge. Yeah, it's like an attitude. the, The... crawl you know that you crawl through these songs and every step you take in the crawl to get into where you got to get to survive you know and it's it's like every claw that you grab and pull you know and it, you just drag through these songs but they're so freaking heavy but you don't always equate you know that with like it, it changed the way i looked at music totally like i always thought heavy equals fast mm-hmm. but this was like heavier than I mean, in a lot of ways, typo negative is heavier than Slayer. Maybe not as fast, mm-hmm. but as heavy. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's it, to me, it's that it's that sound. It's everything uh, kind of blends in. And you know, as a guy that's done some recording and played in bands, the you know, if you're trying to find a sonic landscape for this, the guitars and the bass are are down real low, making this sort of grind, this sort of undertow. Mm-hmm. And when Josh Silver comes up with with keyboard it's organ or it's piano or it's something that's up there that fills that part of the part of the landscape and gives you something to to kind of catch your ear well it, so 94 was the year you know it's probably when the the three of us 93 94 they started to hear about it um they re-released origin of the feces with that cover that you're used to the the painting yeah um they had black black number one on beavis and butthead they put out the album in the in the uh packaging that i like better which is the digipack so the Digipack was our waste not want not cardboard. Um, if only you could put out MP3s in cardboard, but it's it's a cardboard packaging, um, and they reorder the songs and they take out all of the Josh Silver uh, soundscapes. And I you know I'd hate for Josh to hear that somebody didn't like his soundscapes, but they they kind of interrupt the flow of the songs. But he brings when he does that, he brought in the industrial stuff, and they they took that they took those little one or two minute uh, things out of there. Yeah. Um, so, you know, what is it that made Peter leave the Parks Department? They got an offer to go out with Molly Crew. And uh, when that tour came around here to Phoenix, they played with my favorite band, King's X. Uh, Typo Negative wasn't on, that, wasn't on that tour. But that's what got Peter to leave the Parks Department. And I'm sure he called his boss every week to make sure the job was still there when he came back. Mm. Um, but so they hit the road with Motley Crue, and they did a bunch of touring with Danzig, which makes a lot of sense. I mean, Danzig was riding high. Are we talking like then. John Carabi, Motley yes. Crue era? Oh, wow. Yep, oh, Crabby, wow. Aram, that was so crew. cool. I think they were opening for Crew when uh, when they played here in Nashville. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Typo Negative that was the opening act. They did that tour, and then uh, and then a bit, little bit of touring with Danzig. As you went into '95, uh, they went out with Queensrÿche, which um, I don't understand. <laughs> uh, I mean, I saw that I saw that show. It was May 19th at uh, at our pavilion out here. I'm a Queensrÿche fan. I might not have gone to that show except for Typo Negative opening. Uh, and then, ironically, the next time uh, Queensryche came out um, on the Promised Land tour, the next time they played here, they had a, a, a typo-negative protege band called Piston opening. Oh, and if you guys haven't heard Piston, 
uh, they put their first two albums are are great. Uh, it's a lot of typo negative influence. They covered a Smith song, Shoplifters of the World, and uh, Josh Silver produced it, so they do have mm. a connection. But they were out there doing that the Queensrÿche tour in August. Peter showed it all in Playgirl. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, that. he's famous for that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you guys haven't seen it, ask your wives to show it to you because it's, <laughs> it's it's impressive. And uh, well, I've already seen his butt cheeks, so why not, right? right? Forgive her, for she knows not what she does. The Buzz One Hundred Six Point Five and Pillar Productions presents Type O Negative. Type O Negative at the Asylum. Friday, January 31st. This is an all-ages show. Doors open 8 p.m. Tickets for Typo Negative on sale now at all Ticketmaster outlets. Boogie Records, the Asylum Box Office, or charge by phone 474-1333. The Asylum is located at 209 North Superior in downtown Toledo. This is Peter. This is Johnny, Kenny, and Joe. We will see you on tour. Until then. Typo Negative at the Asylum. Friday, January 31st. This is a Pillar Production. Check this out. The moon is full. Will she trick or treat? I bet she will. Fucking like this? Yes, they will, <laughs> dumbass. Didn't you know that, like, all you have to do is be in a video and you automatically get chicks? <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> it's like, all you gotta do is go out and say, hey, baby, <laughs> I'm like in a video. <laughs> Wanna, you know, uh. <laughs> hey, hey, leave her alone. <laughs> leave her alone. <laughs> Bart knocker. <laughs> kick your ass. <laughs> These guys are like a cross between dancing and Megadeth. <laughs> I think they're like a cross between Danzig and my butt. <laughs> That wasn't very nice, buddy. Yeah, it was. That was a compliment. My butt rules. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, before we get back into our chilling and terrifying conversation about typo negative on this All Hallows Eve, right here on the Decibel Geek Podcast with our good friend Andy Connors, we got to take care of a little business, going to take a quick little break. I want to let you guys all know about what we got going on because we got a lot going on. You know, yeah. we've got. We've got decibelgeek.com. I mean, you got to go there. You got to go there. You know, if you're going to see your favorite band. 
bands in photograph from a concert they played halfway across the world or a review of a new album coming out that you might not be aware of and you want to check out ahead of time before it comes out, that's all going on at decibelgeek.com. we got all the best rock and roll writers from all over the world. Why? Because they're doing it for free. Why are they doing it for free? Because they love it, you know, and if you love it, then it's honest and it's true and it comes from the heart and that's that's what the Decibel Geek writing staff is all about, guys and girls that actually care about this kind of music you know mm-hmm. and so when you're going to decibelgeek.com and you're checking out all the awesome articles going on you can know it's coming from true people that really truly love rock and roll and they're doing it for the love of it just like we do the decibel geek podcast so do yourselves a favor check out decibelgeek.com a lot of cool stuff going on in there we've got instagram we've got twitter we've got we've got it all we're everywhere we're on youtube with decibel geek tv we tell you guys all the time about the coon brothers what rock and ron runyon's producing with those guys you know they've got a, a episodic thing going on on the decibel geek tv where you're getting a video cast of yeah. these two guys from colorado along with rock and ron again Guys that just love rock music, you yeah, know, they're doing it for the love of it. When we drink beers, they take shots, right? So yeah, they, so they, they stepped it up. A, so a they notch. step it up. They get wasted and talk <laughs> rock and roll. How fun is that? I mean, <laughs> you love it when Canadians do it. You know, we'll, yeah. we'll give these guys from Colorado a shot too. Yeah, and we met uh, Pete Coon from uh, yeah. from the Rockcast at the Expo, and it couldn't couldn't have been nicer. And I'm hoping both of them will come out next year. For yeah, the Expo. yeah. Pete was really cool. He came out here to the you know Sunday morning podcasting Illuminati party and Illuminati. all that good stuff. So yeah, maybe that's Tommy Thayer's new chess piece. Maybe it has something to do with the Illuminati. <laughs> it's a triangle. You hypnotize when you look at it. But you'll have to listen to the uh, Patreon special Kiss podcast. That's right. To, uh, you know, to hear our thoughts on that. Like we said, when we first started Decibel Geek Podcast, we talked about maybe doing, you know, should we do a Kiss podcast? We both clearly are huge Kiss fans. Yeah. You know, and like Chris said, there's a million of them already. Let's just do all kinds of rock and roll. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm cool with that because I don't just love Kiss. But if we were to have started our own Kiss podcast, yeah. this is what it would be. Yeah, and so that's exclusive to our VIPs. So mm-hmm. now you're saying I'm a huge Kiss fan. I want to know what it would be like if I if Chris and Aaron would have just done a Kiss podcast. You can find well, out. that is what's for you, yeah. the Torpedo Dudes. For now, <laughs> I have to put that caveat. Unless you suggest something better. Until we come up with a better name, it's our KISS podcast is the Torpedo Dudes, and it's available to you. All you got to do is go to Patreon.com, look mm-hmm. up Decibel Geek Podcast, sign up for that bad boy, yep. and then not only do you get Torpedo Dudes, but you get the Chris and Aaron show and all the awesome stuff we've yep. done in the past. There's got to be hundreds of hours of, a lot of, of time there. audio that's available to you, so if you think geez, I want to check out a new podcast. Well, forget all that. You know, just become a Decibel Geek VIP and get a whole lot extra, all the stuff you've been missing mm-hmm. out on all along. And I'm telling you, there's some funny stuff there because is. you think we're buzzed up when the show's oh, going boy. on. Yeah, you haven't heard anything yet. The buzz doesn't truly kick in until after we're done recording and we're doing our VIP and, stuff. And if you dig far enough back into the Patreon archives, you can... Uh, you can hear Aaron and I have a very uh, confrontational argument. <laughs> well, a, I know you must be talking about drunken Bon Jovi, bon Jovi versus Def Leppard, right? Versus Def Leppard. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, we almost went at each other that night. So. It got heated for sure. It did. 
All right. But so. all that's in the VIP archives. You know, there's all kinds of cool stuff to find there. So I encourage you to check it out. It's a great way to help us out and a great way to help yourself to a whole bunch of extra content yes. that you never heard before. True. All right. And our other favorite people, the people that use our Amazon. Shoot, yeah. You know, they know it's easy. They know it's simple. They know they're doing their shopping on Amazon anyway. So why not take a moment to slide on over to decibelgeek.com first? Going up to the top of the page, you're going to see that Amazon banner. You click on it, and next thing you know, you're at Amazon. Well, geez, this doesn't look anything different. That's because it's not any different. So you're doing your shopping. You pay for what you pay for. You say, okay, I'm going to buy this thing. Let's say it's a typo negative CD. Let's say it's it's dead again or it's, you know, Life is Killing Me or Bloody Kisses or Origin of Feces or any of the great albums we're talking about today. Get out there and get your Halloween fix and pick up your typo negative discography. Yep. Let's say you're picking up a typo negative CD and it's $10. Mm-hmm. So when you go to check out, you think, okay, I'm going through the Decibel Geek link. Is this going to cost me anything extra? Nope. No, it's going to only cost you $10. So once you pay your $10 and Amazon takes that 10 bucks, and they might slice us off three or four cents. Don't let that discourage you because helps. it all adds up and it all helps. So Amazon takes a piece of their action, gives us a little bit of it because we're sending them to you. We're sending you, you to them to buy your typo negative but the cool thing about this is when it's all said and done not only did you help the show and it didn't cost you anything extra but you have now been included on the list yeah we got a list of everything you buy and some of the more notable purchases over the past week include for halloween a napoleon dynamite complete costume kit with an adult vote for Pedro t-shirt accessory kit and moon boots. <laughs> moon boots. I love that movie. That's awesome. I miss moon boots. Oh, yeah. Why I, don't they I, make apparently. moon boots anymore? I don't know. Well, you can get them with that costume kit, apparently. Well, you get the Ace Fraley costume kit, you got to have the moon boots That's so you can true. spray paint them silver. So the only people with moon boots, Ace Fraley and Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> and Tommy Thayer. All right. Also purchased was a Flash Furniture Clifton Black computer desk. Thank you. A Leica... Disto D2 laser distance measure with Bluetooth. Okay. Sounds fancy. I have no idea what that is, but I'm glad you went through our link to get it. Thank you. Also, a two-in-one interchangeable rapid-drive screwdriver. Oh, somebody's doing some maintenance. Yeah. In music, Salem's Lot, Mask of Morality was born. Oh, right on. See, I knew we were turning people on to new music last week. And finally this week, Judas Priest Turbo was bought. Oh, wow. Took you a while, but you finally got it. Hopefully your collection is complete. Quick shout out to Chris Aiken from the Classic Metal Show. Just did a book on Judas Priest Turbo. I'm looking forward to checking that out. Right on. Yeah, yeah. I like the one he did on the Motley Crue 94. Yeah, it's a very similar style of that book. Cool. Right on. That's awesome. So you ready to get back to the tricks and the treats? I'm scared, but let's do it. So they also, they were on the Mortal Kombat soundtrack. It's industrial stuff, and it's pretty hardcore metal stuff on the Mortal Kombat soundtrack. And they had a a really awesome remix of Blood and Fire. Um, And then they they rounded out the year on on a club tour. So they were hitting the clubs. So... 96, they came back heavy and toured with Ozzy, and then October Rust dropped. Mm, so October yeah. Rust, uh, for me, some of my favorite bands, their third album is the one that connects with me a lot. Dream Theater, their third album, Awake. Uh, King's X, their third album, Faith, Hope, Love. It's like, that's when they got it right. And these guys put out their masterpiece, in my opinion, um, with October Rust. Um, it got a little more psychedelic, 
Josh got to stretch out on on keyboards and bring in some different instruments. A lot of those songs are love songs. I think Peter was in love back then. And uh, the cover, do you guys remember the cover of that one? It's, oh, yeah. It's got the bars. No more, no more anatomy. Yeah, I remember this one when it came out. Yep, so the cover was the green-tinted uh, four rose, thorny rose stems, and then had the, you know, the, what they already did, what became the classic, The Corners, the name right. of the album, then Typo Negative. <clears throat> but they, uh, they they put out October Rust. Um, it, it charted in a big way for 96. It was number 42, and it eventually went on to go gold. Uh, the band hit the road in the summer and did festivals, which they did practically every every summer. And if you go looking on YouTube, you're going to see a lot of those shows. There was an interesting moment when they were doing a radio station festival here in Phoenix. Uh, the the show the show got canceled after the Deftones. I did not go to the show. I went to a hockey game. I'm not afraid to tell you that I went to a hockey game, mainly because I didn't want to see the Deftones. Really? Um, <laughs> but... Uh, but uh, Typo Negative got in a fight with the Deftones, and the legend goes that uh, one of the band, I don't think it, I don't think it was Peter, one of the band punched a guy from the Deftones in the neck, which seems very Brooklyn. That seems like the kind of thing you're going to do if you're Typo Negative. <laughs> punch him in the neck. Yeah, well, I'm just going to punch a guy in the neck. But apparently Deftones were telling people to get off the lawn if they wanted to. People were destroying chairs, rushing the stage. So off goes Deftones. Typo Negative never got to play that show, so I didn't miss anything. I didn't miss anything except probably get my ass kicked in a riot. And then uh, they hit the road in, in Europe. But in 96, when it came time to release uh, that record, they have a song that I liked a lot. And I think you're going you're gonna to pick up a theme. The song is called In Praise of Bacchus. And I remember in 96, um, I, was on, I think I was on Prodigy. So I had a way of finding out who Bacchus was without going to a dictionary. And it's the Roman god of grapes and agriculture. But the Roman god of wine. That's who this right. is. Right. So, so the song is song. obviously a, about a girl. It's about the girl. It's about the girl that every song that this band did, I, in my opinion, that came after this was about a girl that fucked Peter over somehow, and uh, he's drowning in sorrows. Maybe thinking about uh, maybe thinking about the relationship after uh, after seeing or hearing about uh, her new boyfriend. And my favorite line in that song is. Uh, a, uh, a used boyfriend has bought her this new car. Uh, very clever words. Mm. Hmm. But yeah, that's uh, that's that's my pick from October Rust in praise of Bacchus. Oh, 
was like a really deeply emotional guy from what yeah, I'm, you can I'm tell, gathering. You yeah. can tell lyrically by the stuff. Like he yeah. put a lot of his own heart and soul and experiences into the lyrics yeah. of these songs. And that's why I think you can hear a lot of when you listen to typo negative you can you can hear pain yeah, and you can like hear it. joy and you can hear lust you mm-hmm. know and you can hear all these emotions because peter Steele was able to take what he was feeling and put it into a song in a way that through all the instrumentation and the lyrics and the and the layout of it all you would come off not just hearing this song but also kind of feeling it too mm-hmm yeah, and the songs, they're either about sort of a, a you know, occult subjects, <laughs> the uh, loss and death, and that comes up. The rest of the albums are filled with that, um, yeah. you know, because Peter lost a bunch of people in his lives. And then it's about it's about girls. And I think he was a sensitive guy. And when you hear stories about him, he was a generous guy. The guy had money and then didn't have money. The guy had a platinum album and, and uh, big records. And, you know, he took care of his family and he took care of people that were close to him. Um, which, you know, when you hear about that down the road, it makes you feel good about this guy that had that public image, took care of people in his in his private life. This is right this is going to sound a little odd, but I'm almost drawing comparisons between Peter Steele and Joey Ramone. Yeah. Both from the same area. Joey was from Queens. Peter was from Brooklyn. But both like very striking looking people in very different ways. Peter, yeah, right. Peter was basically a bodybuilder type, but had a dark image. Joey was not that, but also had a very striking image, but both also very deeply emotional people who channeled their their pain into music, wow. but also got taken advantage of by a lot of people. It sounds like where they would like to for the great they would do things for the greater good of people, but kind of get fucked over in the process. That happened to Joe. I'm just a giant Ramones fan, but I'm I'm seeing comparisons to the two of them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know enough about the Ramones, but I get the sense that you've got something simmering in you to to bring something out for the Ramones. But yeah, I mean, I'm going to figure if you see these guys on the street, you definitely know who they are. Sure. Yeah. You know, they're probably pretty easy to find. Uh, if you if you're in Brooklyn, you probably go to Lamore and you're going to find Peter. If you're in Manhattan, you go to CBGBs and you're going to find uh, Joey. Yeah. I could think that you'd pluck those guys out of time and put them next to each other, and they'd just be great. You know, they'd love it. Yeah, but they sound very similar. Like with, like the lyrical themes. Like it sounds like Peter Steele never wrote a song where he just tossed a song out. Goes, this is a song to have a song. Sounds like he truly channeled, you know, what was going on in his life into his lyrics. Yeah, you know, and with his voice and with the music, sometimes it's hard to hear those lyrics. And and I was kind of getting ready to make song picks for this episode, and I had a hell of a time with it um, because some of the songs I picked were not super representative of everything the band does. But it was songs I I think people should hear, especially if all they know is is Black Number One. But yeah, he had a lot, a a deep well of material to, to pick from. So, you know, coming up to after that, you know, after October Rust, am I the only one is, that has seen these uh, guys live up to that point? I've, no, I've seen them live. I've never seen them live. First time so, I've seen them live was OzFest 97. All right. So, yeah, 97. I saw the Winter Spring Tour where they played, uh, they played the Electric Ballroom um, here in Phoenix. And they were with Drain STH, which See, is... See, that's like the female version of Typo Negative. Yeah. The way they take the songs and slow them down, but you don't lose any of the heaviness within the song. Yeah, I hear you. Well, and if, if the singer is staring at you from on the stage, you know, somehow she figured out how to stare at 1,400 people that night. Um, and that was scary. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, yeah, there was... 
so that that day that the electric ballroom was uh, Drain STH, and I can't remember whether it was Power Man Five Thousand or Sister Machine Gun, and then I remember Stuck Mojo was in the mix there somewhere on that tour. Cool. Uh, the date I saw, it was sold out, and I pulled a card for a ticket. Um, I was working for Fender, the guitar company at the time, <clears throat> and we sponsored the. We had a PA in their smaller room there at the Electric Ballroom. It was a big club. Uh, it was a disco in the '70s, and now it's a now it's a uh, charter school. <clears throat> but um, so I picked up the phone and called a guy who, if you're on the metal sludge boards, mm. El Toro. Oh yeah. <laughs> so El Toro, I still know him. So I called El Toro and said, "Hey, I really want to go to the show. Are there any tickets?" And he said, I'll put you on the list with a plus one. So I got in the show, uh, something that could get you in trouble if you work for Fender, but I did it. And uh, it was an amazing concert, <clears throat> the best I'd ever seen them. Uh, they had a big stage set with dead trees, and it was in green. And the highlight of that show, and, and there are videos, the highlight of that show was uh, when they played Frozen, a song from the previous album, from Bloody Kisses, uh, which is a big moment for Kenny. Kenny gets to sing a lot on that one. <clears throat> and it snowed. They had uh, snow machines on top of the PA stacks, and it was wow. it was transcendental. It was really, you had to be there, of course, but it was a good moment. They hit Europe for the rest of the spring, and then if you saw them on OzFest, they were on that OzFest, I want to say, with Black Sabbath and I think Pantera. That's right, Pantera and Power Man 5000 and Typo Negative and... God, who else? Marilyn Manson was on that one. That sounds like a good one. They uh, they were on the Private Part soundtrack. Did uh, a cover. Of, uh, every album, but the first one has a cover, and a, and the covers are. You could have a whole episode the, about these covers. But uh, they had Ozzy sing on a, a copy a, a cover of Pictures of Matchstick Men, which is a good listen. Stays so they hit cool. they hit Private Part soundtrack, which gives them another platinum album if you want to count it. Mm. So, yeah, because yeah, that was a big soundtrack at it the was. time. They had a bunch of different good bands on it. It was. The Howard Stern movie was huge. Very big. It was. So, 98, uh, the only thing I really remember out of 98 is that uh, they did a short Halloween tour. Uh, you know, makes sense now. Um, the a horror movie, Nosferatu, came out uh, on DVD re-released, and it's a bunch of typo negative songs as the soundtrack. Uh, I can't recommend it, but if somebody out there is a fan of that, they might <laughs> want to check it out. I like and the then, soundtrack. Movie sucked. <laughs> Yeah, well, the, the you know, hey, maybe in 1922, that was some scary shit. But uh, Love You to Death was also in a soundtrack, uh, Bride of Chucky. So these guys were at maximum exposure. Oh, yeah, that's right. They came back around in 99 and played those festivals. But their fourth album came out in 99, an uh, album called World Coming Down. And, man, this is, uh, this is when things, I think, got a little sad for the band. I think maybe when Peter started to move away from being the supplement-taking bodybuilder, a guy that had never done drugs, and, and he was... He was probably starting to um, starting to go down the, the dark side. Uh, but these songs on World Coming Down, they're about loss and addiction. Uh, the cover is this uh, beautiful picture of the New York cityscape. Uh, the Brooklyn Bridge is, is uh, in the foreground. And it charted again, number 39, this time, just like the last one. They hit the road. Um, I saw them play October 17th at the Nile Theater. Uh, interesting venue in in Mesa. I can't remember who was opening. I want to say it was Puya. If you guys remember that band, Puya. I don't, think I remember I Puya. Puya. I have a feeling that Josh uh, Toomey knows Puya. They were a they were a band out of Puerto Rico, but I feel like they opened it. Um, they were on Blair Witch soundtrack then, and uh, they hit the road for Europe. Um, but World Coming Down, it's a uh, it's a it's a long album. It's it's kind of a it's kind of a bring down. 
Um, it's got the, uh, you know, it has the really interesting uh, soundscapes on it, which are somebody chopping up a line of cocaine, uh, somebody smoking, some, you know, you can tell there's somebody drinking. So that stuff's in there as, as the mix. But the song I like is called Pyretta Blaze, which is a love song. It moves to, it moves to a, uh, a major key in the chorus, which is pretty different. And it's, I think it's kind of this love song where Peter's pro, uh, professing his love for a woman, but it's set against his fetish of, uh, you know, of maybe fire play when he's, when he's having an intimate moment. So Pyretta Blaze, if you guys haven't heard it, I think it's worth a listen. It was never a single. I think I'm the only one that paid attention to it, but that's my pick.
That's interesting. Yeah, there's some good stuff on here, but I definitely see like the theme of death is starting to come in on this one because you got songs like "Everyone I Love Is Dead" and uh, "Everything Dies." Yes. Yeah. I was in a bad place at that time, I'm guessing. Oh, I was trying to explain this album to my girlfriend. Like, my girlfriend doesn't care about music. Um, She she doesn't know who Typo Negative is. And I told her, well, you know, they had an album where one of the songs was called Everything Dies and the other was called Everyone I Love Is Dead. And then there's a song about All Hallows Eve and there's a song about everybody dying in Christmas. And then they top it off with seven minutes of Beatles songs that I'm pretty sure caused them to not make any money on this album. They had to give the Beatles a bunch of points because there's four songs. Yeah, all in that medley, yeah. It's badass, it's, though. Yeah, it's it's fun to listen to. Um, they bring in I Want You, She's So Heavy at the end of it, and, yeah. oh, they make it heavy. If the Beatles thought that was heavy, they made that song heavy. Oh, I <laughs> love that cover. It's like anything Typo Negative does as a cover song. They take it, and it's like they it can't do it. They can't do anybody else's song without making it a Typo Negative song. And when they take them Beatles songs and do that medley with all that in it and then end it with, she's, you know, I want you, she's so heavy, yeah. it's badass, man. You just can't beat it. Yeah, that one, uh, yeah, that's uh, probably the culmination of what they were able to do with other people's uh, songs. So, you know, what I think you sort of pick up that things weren't going super well for Peter here because their work got spotty after this. Uh, in 2000, they toured with Cold Chamber. They had a uh, greatest hits package <laughs> called Least Worst Of, you know, kind, kind of like uh, Dream Theater with, uh, uh, you know, what is it called? Greatest Hit and 11 Other Good Songs or something like that. Yeah, the Least so, Worst of Typo Negative. Yes. Least Worst Of, which isn't that great. Um, it's got... Uh, <laughs> It's got a bunch of songs from from uh, all the different albums. There's a different mix of Cinnamon Girl. It's got Hey Pete on it. Um, but that one's worth listening to. It has, I didn't put it as a pick, but there's there's one thing on there that's an interesting listen. It's Black Sabbath from the Satanic uh, perspective, which, you know, if if Black Sabbath by Black Sabbath is from somebody that's scared of, uh, of Satan, um, this song is... You know what does Satan think about the person that's uh, standing before them? It's pre- right. pretty interesting. It is pretty cool, and how creative to come up with it something like creative. that. Yeah, yeah, that one that one was interesting, but that one's that one's a good one. It's got a bunch of different stuff on it, uh, a lot of alternate takes and different mixes and stuff. You know, so they they did that in uh, 2000. They did hit the road for a fall winter tour. I saw a show at Celebrity Theater. I cannot remember who opened for them. Um, Celebrity Theater is this interesting venue we have here with a 30 foot in the round stage. So the band spins around except shows like this where they fill it up half house and build a bigger stage. But Mm. uh, I remember a lot of green lights that night. That's what I remember about (laughs) that show. So 2001 and 2002, no releases and real, real limited touring. In 2003, Life is Killing Me came out. (laughs) Another another positive upbringing (laughs) album title. Um, And to me, it's more songs about loss and failed relationships. Yeah. the cover is this green EKG trace that sort of trails out, and um, it uh, it hit Billboard charts again at 39. I might be wrong about one of these chart positions, but uh, that one hit the charts. And um, I remember at the time, uh, Josh was really angry in the press because it, it leaked. Mm. Um, so the album leaked, and they think that cut into the sales. Um, I don't but, know, taking uh, that long a break in between albums, too, I think maybe hurt them. 
Yeah, and I really don't remember them touring. I, you know, it's not like it is now where you can go to setlist.fm and see every date for every band. And they hit the road. Peter was in an episode of Oz replayed. I, I remember not a biker, but maybe a neo-Nazi guy, which really works for him. Um, they played a lot of European festivals. I saw him in 2003 with Cradle of Filth, and it was uh, it was not great. Oh, Unfortunately, really? it was it was it was not great. Uh, Peter wasn't in great shape. They took a lot of time to get to the stage. You know, he wasn't that built-up guy anymore. And that, I, I remember being pretty sad about seeing him like that. Cradle was awesome. I, I don't know if I can recommend Cradle of Filth to the to the average person, but they were they were pretty great that night. But they were touring behind Life is Killing Me. <clears throat> and my choice from Life is Killing Me is a song called We Were Electrocute. And I think what's going on here is, is Peter sort of reminiscing, reflecting on a, a romance from the past decade. Um, I liked it because it was clever, taking uh, cute... You know, obviously people were telling them they were a cute couple and combining it with electrocute to electrocute somebody. And then it's it's like a pop song. If anybody else did it, it would be a pop song. And then it's got this little Beatles-like trumpet or maybe a coronet flourish that's in there. Um, so that's the song I liked. It's called uh, We Were Electrocute.
So. Yeah, it's a pretty wild album, man. And, and like I said, it was weird because it'd been so long. And then when it came back out, when this came out, then it was like, what? Typo Negative? I haven't even thought about Typo Negative in quite a while. You know, now they got a new album coming out. But I ran out and got it, you know. And I remember hearing the song, um, I Don't Want to Be Me. Yeah, that was the single. That was the single. And we actually, I think this was around the time when I was on radio. So I remember actually getting to try to push that and it's like it's a new typo negative song and you know just a few years ago you guys were so excited about typo negative and give it a chance and it just didn't really seem to bite you know nobody was really into it and i was i was bummed out as a radio dj going man here's a band just a couple of years ago that everybody was crazy about and here they got a new song Mm -hmm. and nobody seems to really give two shits yeah it's tough because there's not like an obvious single on that album there's a super humorous song called I Like Goyles. Yeah. You know, the Brooklyn thing. I like I like Goyles. And it's it's about Peter turning away the affections of gay guys that, you know, when he did Playgirl, maybe he didn't know who reads that magazine. <laughs> right. And then um, there's they cover um, Angry Inch from Hedvig and the Angry Inch. Um, That's which, right. He, to me, Hedvig, uh, it's a, a favorite movie and soundtrack for me, and it's because the soundtrack's so great. Sort of like... Um, you know, if if you like uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show, you're probably going to like uh, Hedwig and the Angry Inch. And they cover Angry Inch, which is ironic because, you know, Peter doesn't have six inches forward and one inches back. <laughs> but, yeah, the album, it's That's there's funny. a lot of depressing stuff on there, but there's a couple things. I mean, there's a song, you know, dedicated to his past mother, which, I mean, it's just, uh, it's heartbreaking. But so, you know, they come into 2004 and uh, the band is dormant and it only came out later that, uh, Peter was in rehabs, a mental hospital, and 2005 he was in jail. His ex, who I think a lot of these songs are about, a woman that uh, I'm pretty sure her name was Elizabeth. They talk, and you hear a lot of interviews back then and read stories. And then in this book, you hear a lot about her. And and he uh, he assaulted her husband, and ended up in jail for it. And then you know t- to make it even more mysterious and to make matters worse, in May. Uh, their website had this image. It said, free at last, Peter Steele, 1962 to 2005. It was a picture of a tombstone. Wow. And I'm not afraid um, to admit that I thought, you know, is this is this true? Is Peter gone? Is it the end? Because I had just seen him, in, uh, you, you know, a year and a half earlier, and he, he looked awful. And, and, of course, as soon as I saw that, I had to go on Metal Sludge, and I... I put up a thread um, with the picture of the tombstone, and it started the biggest thread I ever started on that one, where people were speculating I, on whether or not he was gone. I gotta know, what's your metal sludge handle? Now I haven't been on on metal sludge in a little bit because I forgot my password. Uh-huh. Uh, but it's electric ballroom, which um, I think I remember you. <laughs> so El, El Toro, uh, as soon as I posted on one of his threads about it, he sends me a private message: "Who is this?" <laughs> And I'm like, uh, I, you know, I think uh, I, I maybe maybe we shouldn't dox him. He's already done it himself, dealing with uh, dealing with uh, Fifi Larue, the, uh, oh, yeah. the, the killer, what is it, the gothic killer, killer clown, clown of rock and roll. Yeah, <laughs> my my Fifi Larue moment. I loaned him a pen at the for, at the L.A. Kiss Expo, but I, I'm like, oh, Fifi Larue needs a pen. Here you go, buddy. But um, we could talk so sludge I'll, for a while. <laughs> wow. I have no so, idea what's going on. When here. they're throwing when people are throwing donuts at him at a gig because El Toro told you to. But as long as you kiss the ring, yeah, I've known El Toro in real life, uh, and he's a he's trying to get into politics now and owns a company that makes signs. Oh boy! Uh, His so uh, the point Electric Ballroom, which was his club, 
um, he, uh, he, that club got closed down for, um, some underage drinking and some different stuff like that. And he really felt like he got the shaft, but anyway, so I'm electric follower on metal sludge just today. I wanted to post in a thread and I, I cannot get my password to work. So I want it back. Send Stevie yeah, a message. Yeah. Well, there's, there's a guy I want to see at the, uh, expo. I'm just yeah. not sure you'd be able to get like, I'm, I think uh, maybe Mark Slaughter wouldn't want to show up. There's a few people that wouldn't want to show up if Stevie comes. <laughs> just say yeah. that. But, uh, I he, he, that it. guy slings the sludge. That's for show. Yeah. All right. Well, back to typo negative. Oh yeah. Let's. Sorry. <laughs> There's going to be some outtakes, kids. Um, all right. So the website had that image, um, but really, what it was is the Roadrunner contract was up, and they signed to SPV. So how does SPV or how does Roadrunner thank them? The next year, in 2006, they put out the best of typo negative, which is horrible. It's this, it doesn't sound good. It doesn't look good. It did chart at 109, and it's a picture of the band. They couldn't even get the humor of the covers right. Um, there's a concert DVD that came out. It was a festival appearance. It's, it's worth checking out. It's, of course, it's on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, but that came out in 2006. So 2007, Dead, Dead Again comes out. I feel like it's heavily uh, autobiographical. It's this portrait of Rasputin, um, the mystic. That's green tinted, a beautiful cover. Yeah. And it, it charted, charted it at 27. And um, the songs, it's uh, there's uh, there's some fun stuff. Halloween in Heaven, yeah. Uh, Tripping a Blind Man. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff on there that's um, you know, kind of uh, looking back on failed romances. My pick is a song called uh, "Hell and Farewell to Britain," um, and it's it, it apparently I don't think it has anything to do with Britain. It's I think it's a song about a failed relationship. But Peter seems to be moving on. Which, if you want to read into music that much, it's nice to know that, that if that was happening for Peter, that it was. It has this awesome overdriven uh, organ part, uh, so Josh really gets to stretch out and and uh, play an organ solo. And there's a, a lead. Um, I, I like it for that. And then it's unknowingly Peter's farewell to us, mm. and it really is. It ends sort of the song ends triumphantly, and he, obviously he didn't know it was going to be that, but it's his last uh, his last recorded um, work, the last song on his last album, and. He says he says goodbye to us in sort of a positive kind of a way. That's uh, so. Hell and farewell to Britain, my pick.
They played with Celtic Frost. Um, I saw that show at the Marquee here in Phoenix. Uh, they hit the road with Lordy, who's a forgotten band, I think. Um, coming around to 2008, uh, they hit the clubs, and their offshoot band, Seventh Void, with Johnny and Kenny, opened up. Um, they did a, a summer tour uh, with Hatebreed, the Eggermeister tour. I don't remember whether that didn't come to Phoenix or um, if I just didn't want to see Hatebreed. I'm not sure what it is. Mm. <clears throat> Coming around to 2009, uh, Halloween tour. They didn't work a lot. Um, uh, so Josh was moving on. The guy was training to be a paramedic. I don't know if he was influenced by David Lee Roth or what. But uh, <laughs> So Josh Silver moves on to be a paramedic. So Scott Warren, who's out there, he was a Dio guy. Yeah. Um, and he's, uh, he's in Dio Disciples now. And the guy knows how to play a keyboard. That dude filled in. And then finally, we come around to 2010. Um, in April 2010, Peter Steele died. Um, you could you could speculate that he had an overdose or he took his own life or something like that. But really, the guy had a aortic aneurysm. He was he was he'd moved away from New York. Um, he was I think I think he had, he had friends that were helping him get his life together. I'd like to think maybe he was in a good place. And the band they sort of did the right thing and they said you know Peter's gone. So that's 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 the end of typo negative. Right. Yeah. Because I mean typo negative could never continue on with anybody else. I mean. There's been bands you've said that about over the years where you think, you know, this band could never carry on without the singer. Right. But they do. But Typo Negative is one of the bands where I just don't think there's nobody, mm-hmm. you know, that these guys could ever find. They could find a, a Peter Steele look-alike, sound-alike, but it would never be Typo well, Negative. Because it was a, a very uniquely personal band for him. So, yeah. yeah, he kind of was the heart and soul of the band. I know we kind of skipped over uh, Typo Negative Dead Again, too, but, uh, I mean, this album even means a lot to me, too. And as you can see, as we've gone along here, I've got every single Typo yeah, Negative <laughs> CD sitting right here next to me. And every time you describe a cover, I hold it up to Chris so he can see it. So <laughs> I've got them all myself. And I've been a Typo Negative fan since the very beginning. But when I first moved to Nashville... You know, coming from Wisconsin and having all a lot of my money spoken for, there was a, a transition time for me too, where I had to start working and start making money, and the money I'm making isn't going towards past debts, you know. And there was a day where I actually had like fifty bucks that I could spend on whatever I wanted. It was like for the first time in a long time, I actually had some spending money. So I went to uh, 
was it Cats Music? Yeah. Over there in East Nashville. Used to be a famous CD, out, I guess, record store in East Nashville called Cat Music. And it's gone now. Yeah. But at the time, I went in there for the first and the last time. And I picked up uh, Queens of the Stone Age, Songs for the Deaf. Mm-hmm. And I picked up Typo Negative, this one right here with Rasputin on Dead the cover, again. Dead Again. And, you know, it's, and I, this is that copy right here that yeah. sits next to me. So. You know, it shows what this band means to me personally and then different parts in my life and where that always reminds me beyond the songs that I love on it, but that feeling of, okay, you know, everything's going to be all right now. I've got music, money to spend on music. Right. And that's what I spent it on. Very cool. Yeah, I appreciate that. I have uh, I have a collection of imports and CD singles and such. Um, I'm lucky enough that our record store here in Phoenix, Zia Records, is still still doing well. And uh, you know, I'd go in there and stop in and and pull stuff. You didn't really, you know, you, you didn't hear about it all on the web, but I'd I'd pull something to buy a CD single or whatever because it was, uh, uh, you know, it was it was something special, something to collect. There's the band has a lot of collectibles. Yeah. Um, you know, they they put out a lot of promo material that's heavily traded, but I appreciate that. And uh, look, if you're like me coming from a small town in Wisconsin, <laughs> when you're in Wisconsin, you're desperate for something, you know. Good look, because, brother. So, I know exactly yeah. what you're talking yeah. about. Exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, when I would spend my, you know, I was in and out of Wisconsin, a little town called Wapaka that's a lot like yeah. your town, yeah. uh, but with some lakes and some rich people from Chicago. Um, but uh, <laughs> it was just anything to get you out of there, whether it was MTV or whether it was music or whatever. So I, I appreciate that. Uh, you and I have that kinship. Yeah, when, you call those, when you call those other podcast guys those fuckers, I'm like, that is that, <laughs> that is Wisconsin right there. <laughs> those fuckers. Those fuckers. <laughs> It's like I know the fuckers he's talking about. And a lot of fuckers just like him. We all do. <laughs> oh man, that's great. Well, I'm definitely I've de- my interest is definitely peaked. I'm definitely going to check out a lot more typo negative after after going through this. So, uh, and you I don't have that. to wait till Halloween to do it. That's typo true. negative music is good all year round. Yeah. So I hope that the people that are already fans had a good time, you know, re- reflecting back on the history of the band. And I hope there's a lot of you like me that really don't know much aside from Black Number One or you know a handful of songs. And you'll you'll check out more. Go on Amazon. There's going to be links to every one of these albums on our Amazon page. And, uh, yeah, check it out and buy it. And, Andy, I mean, uh, this has been great. I, th- yeah. I appreciate you coming on and educating us. Well, I appreciate you having me. You know, I guess if I could if I could say anything about sort of the legacy of the band, it's they're not getting whored out. Right. Peter's legacy is not getting whored out. You're not – I mean, I, I saw a commercial on TV with a Prince song in it, Let's Go Crazy. You think Prince wanted his songs in a oh, TV no. commercial? Fuck no, that guy didn't want his songs in a commercial. You know, he'd turn the lights off in the middle of a concert. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, they, Peter's remaining family, which I believe is just two sisters, they've done nothing to whore out the band. That's good. Or, or whore out the band. Yeah, yeah. that's right. The whore. Whore! <laughs> so that, that, that's what I would leave you guys with is, uh, you know, they're, hopefully they remain intact and we can just speculate on what it was for that, you know, that good uh, 15, 18 years. Well, let me, um, let me quickly put you on the spot. Uh, we, got, we, got, we have to have a playout song. So what song would you pick as a playout song from Typo Negative? All Hallows Eve because it's Halloween and it's a spooky song. So yeah, you gotta you gotta go out with All Hallows Eve. All right, well let's do it. This is All Hallows Eve. Perfect. Thanks, Andy Connors, and Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. We'll see you next week.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.